You are listening to Ethnic Life Story, Trail of Trees, Episode 17, Juan Salazar. Ethnic Life Story Trail of Trees is a tribute project started by Springfield businessman Jim Malden in the early 2000s. Then, more than a decade later, the project reached Friends of the Garden at Nathaniel Green Close Memorial Park in Springfield, Missouri. Black gum trees were planted in 2012 at the northern edge of the park and symbolized the legacy left by ethnic community leaders. Each tree stands for an Ozark citizen who has left a lasting positive impact on their community through service, generosity, and tenacity. Each story is maintained and immortalized by a story keeper who has volunteered to ensure the legacy of the storyteller lives on. August 21, 1958, in the small town of Tuman, a baby boy was born. With three older sisters already, my parents were hoping for a boy, so they were very happy to have a new son. They named me Juan Andres Salazar Perisaca, after both of them. My father is named Andres Salazar, and my mother is Andrea Perisaca. Children in Peru, the country of my birth, usually have two last names. Women do not change their names when they get married, so the child carries the last name of both mother and father. This has been the practice for as long as I know. My homeland, Tumen, is in the northern part of Peru. Spanish is my native language. The climate is very warm in that part of the country. In Tumen, almost everyone works at the factory. It is pretty much the only place to work. When I was born, there were maybe 2,000 workers, and now there are almost 5,000. Sugar is what is produced at this factory. Like everyone else in town, my father worked at the factory. His job was doing paperwork and working in the office. Like me, he was born in Tuman. My father had a younger sister and a younger brother, but theirs was never a close family. My father has lived his entire life in the town of his birthplace. My mother was born in Ayanka, a small town located to the north of Tuman. Like my father, she is the oldest child, but hers was a much larger family. She has four brothers and four sisters. They were much closer to each other than my father's family. There were many differences between my parents. So many, they eventually decided not to stay together. I remember my mother as a nice woman and very beautiful. She was a fighter, always fighting to go forward. I think if she had been a man, she could have done anything. There weren't as many opportunities available for women at that time. It was much harder for women to work and to do things. She has such a personality. She always wanted me to move forward, to be the best, but she wasn't always prudent. The first present I ever remember giving to anyone was a rose that I gave to my mother for Mother's Day. My dad was my favorite person. He loved us so much. He is the person who has had the most influence on my life. My mother was also very influential, and I admire her because she is a fighter. My dad is always quiet. He always thinks about what he needs to do before he takes the next step. My mom, she always takes the next step and afterwards thinks about it. 
In my opinion, I am a mixture of both of them, sometimes doing things the way my mom did, and then sometimes more like my dad. As I get older, I really believe that the best way is thinking before doing. My mother was very close to her brothers and sisters. Being the oldest, she was the one that they would come to anytime they had a problem. My mom was a very extroverted person. My dad was definitely an introvert. I think it was a problem for him, always having my aunts and uncles and cousins around. When I was seven, my parents decided not to live together anymore. They never got a divorce. They just separated. In the beginning, I was angry with both of my parents. And after that, I was sad. It is a difficult thing for a child to go through. Now that I'm older, I'm neither angry nor sad. I think they made the best decision for themselves. As an adult, I can understand. I love both my parents and the new partners they have. One thing that I think happened, at least partially as a result of my parents' separation, is that they were not very strict with us. They knew it was hard on us, and were probably trying to make it up to us a little. In some ways, that was good, but I believe it also caused us to make some mistakes we might have avoided if they had been a little harder on us. But they really loved us, and tried to do the best they could as parents. I love them very much, and admire them as well. My first sister is 15 years older than me. Her name is Anna. Carmela, my other sister, is 10 years older than I am. When I was little, they would frequently take care of me. I remember Carmela's boyfriend would sometimes give her money and say, Give Juan this money and send him to the store. Tell him to go buy some candy. He, of course, wanted to spend some alone time with my sister without having to deal with the baby brother. That was fine with me. I liked going to the store and buying myself candy. My youngest sister is only two years older than me. Her name is Clementina. She was named after my father's mother. My favorite meal was rice with duck. Duck was relatively common. We usually had it for parties. My favorite dessert was rice with milk. It is made with coconut milk, which is not at all like regular milk. For this dessert, they put coconut milk in with the rice and let it cook. Then when the rice is very soft and there's not a lot of milk left, they put in cinnamon and raisins and mix that together. It's absolutely wonderful. Sugar reminds me of home. The big factory in Tumon was always smoking when they were processing the sugar. The factory operated 24 hours a day. We used to have a special day in my homeland when the sugar plant was ready to harvest. If the harvest was good, they would have a special day where everyone would go to the station. Special meat would be cooked. Someone would dig a hole in the ground and make an oven inside the hole. They would take stones and clean them, then they take banana leaves and clean those and put them on the stones. Then they put the meat on top of that and cover it with more banana leaves. They leave it in the ground for a few hours and then enjoy. It's delicious. They would use many different kinds of meat, beef, pork, lamb. Everybody can choose the meat that they want to eat. It was one or two days of holiday for us, and everybody would come and eat as much as they wanted. That was many years ago, and they don't do that anymore. We eat lots of rice. Rice with meat, usually fish, because we were so close to the ocean, we were about 20 miles away. My family was always trying to have our meals together. We sat down at the table to eat. No sitting in front of the television or taking your food to your room. Mealtimes were often a problem for me. I would use my left hand to eat. In my country at this time, that was considered a bad thing. 
People believed that everybody needed to use their right hand, and they were trying to teach me to eat with my right hand, but I couldn't do it. This is the natural way I'm writing or eating using my left hand. It was hard for me because when I was eating with my left hand, my sisters were saying that only the bad people do this. I don't know why they wanted everybody to do the same thing. My parents were both Catholics. I remember my father bringing me to the Catholic Church, taking my sister also. We would celebrate special days for saints, for instance, like St. Paul or St. Peter. We also celebrated Christmas and Easter. On Christmas, we have the custom of the family eating together at midnight. Everybody can go here and there. They can eat, go visit relatives, giving their wishes for the best, saying have a nice Christmas and so on. But at midnight, you have to be at your home. After the family eats together, you can go out to other places again. Independence Day was a very special celebration. On July 28th, every school would march, each wanting to prove that they were the best school. We would celebrate Carnival in the summer. In the Carnival, we have the custom that if people are walking in the street, anybody can throw water onto them. You cannot say anything or complain about it, because this is the time for people to do this. If you are using public transportation, the people who are working, they can also throw water, or some people put it into water balloons. Now, this is happening during the hot season, and sometimes it would feel like they're doing you a favor when they throw water on you, because we don't have any air conditioning. When I was little, I didn't think birthdays were very important to us, but as I got older, we would make a point to spend time with our mother on our birthday. Usually, parents have a special ceremony for a boy when he turns 19. At that age, they are no longer children. They aren't boys now. They have become men. The parents have a party for the boy and invite all of his friends to let everybody know that he is not a boy of the house anymore. He is a man of the house now. I did not have a celebration like that because I was already married before I turned 19. In my country, people have two weddings. One is a civil wedding before a judge, and after that we go to the church for the religious wedding. The civil wedding takes place before the religious wedding, but most people believe that the couple are not truly married until the priest says they are husband and wife. Sometimes my father and I would play like we were fighting. My father was a strong man. He is old now, but he was very strong then. But sometimes he would let me defeat him. I always liked spending time with him. He is one of my favorite people. He loved us very much, and that is very important to a young boy. When I was maybe five or six, I was very, very sick. I never knew what disease or what type of sickness it was, but I remember my mother bringing me to many doctors in different places. This was one of the memories I treasure most of my mother. In order to pay for the doctors and treatments I needed, she had to sell her house. It meant so much to me that she was willing to do that for me. I was more important to her than anything else. Even when you know someone loves you, seeing them do something like that makes you feel so special. When I was seven, my sister and I went with my mother to the south side of the country, to a town called Arequipa. Each year, my mother sent us back to Tuman to visit my father. The distance between Arequipa and Tuman was more than a thousand miles. My father was always sending money to help take care of my sister and me. My mother was always traveling. She's very independent, and she was doing business, selling clothes, 
selling anything that she could sell. She was going to this place, to another place, to another place. I don't exactly know the circumstances, why she went to Arequipa, but she decided to go back there to live. I never talked with her about it. I respect her decisions. I think it was after maybe one year there that she met this other man. It was very different in Arequipa. Before, in Tuman, I knew the people. As a child in Arequipa, I was trying to find friends, but they were always rejecting me. It is very different how we speak Spanish in the north and Spanish in the south. When you moved from one place to another place, people would know where you were coming from, and they would become critical. If you speak different from them, you are not one of them, and they reject you. I started school in Tuman when I was six years old. When we moved to Arequipa, I went to a Catholic school. The first year I was in Arequipa, I got a certificate at the end of the year. At this time, they were giving certificates to good students in every class. In my case, I was getting the certificate for good behavior. I was taking care of the other new students, trying to help them be good students, too. They gave me the award in front of all the other students in the school. My teacher was a good teacher, but he was very strict. In my country at this time, the teacher has the authority to hit the students if they don't do the homework or do some task that they were given. The teachers can punish the student however they see fit, including hitting. I started playing soccer when I was six. No one else in my family played soccer. At the school in Arequipa, I was on the school soccer team. My job on the team was to make the goals. Everybody who was on the team was happy to know they were on the soccer team of this school. In order to be on the team, you had to show the coach that you were good players, because the coach was always thinking that we were the best school in the city. We won some and lost some, but I think we were good players. In the summertime, I would frequently go to the beach. It was very close to my home, maybe ten minutes of walking. Sometimes I would go alone, or occasionally with my friends. At the beach, they have many vendors trying to sell things like drinks and ice cream. I lived in Arequipa for only five years. I was really unhappy there. Eventually, I ran away from home. Once, when I was trying to get into my room from the window, my stepfather closed the window on my fingers. I decided to leave. I knew that I would have to have papers to travel, so I went to the police station and told them the story that I had made up. I said that I needed to go see my father and that my mother had sent me to go get the necessary papers. I told them that she could not come with me because she was sick. When they told me that they couldn't get me the papers without talking to my mother, I told them that they could go to see her, but she was in the hospital a very long way away from here. Finally, they gave me the papers. I don't exactly know how, but I finally made it back to my homeland, to Tuman. It was a very long trip, over a thousand miles. I know it is a very crazy thing for a young boy to do, and I'm not proud of my behavior. I knew that my mother spent many days looking for me. After that, my mother finally moved back to Tuman. She knew the reason I escaped from home was because of the difficulties with my stepfather. My home was a nice brick house. I had my own room. I had dogs as pets. The dogs that I had were usually German shepherds. I like that kind of dog because they are very loyal. At home, I was always the one sent to go do the buying. Because I was the youngest, whenever anybody needed anything, they would say, you can go to the store. 
Not only am I the only man, I'm the youngest of the family, and Hispanic people are always looking for the youngest to do things that they don't want to do themselves. During my teenage years, I did not date a whole lot. I did go to the movies occasionally, and sometimes I had dates. Dating was mostly controlled by the parents. I played soccer with my friends. We went to other cities for competitions. We went every weekend for competition. We played maybe two or three times a week for fun, for training. When I was a teenager, I had my first bike, and after that, a motorcycle, and then a car. I was 13 years old when I got my motorcycle. Once, I got in a pretty bad accident while riding my motorcycle. It was at night, and I was riding on the highway, and there was a bright light coming towards me. The light was very bright, and I was blinded for a few seconds. When the driver passed me and I could finally see forward, I saw the bridge too late. As I went under the bridge, I hit my head. The bridge had a small cement rail. All I remember is I hit it with my head. I had to have a few stitches on my face. My cheek still has a scar from that. Because Tuman was a small town, everybody knew who was dating whom. The families would sometimes get involved. If the brothers or sisters of the person you were dating didn't like you, they would make trouble for you. You also had to be careful of who the last boyfriend was. If a girl stopped seeing someone and he was angry about it, he might try to hurt the new boyfriend. Usually, you would want to walk with your friends and not go out alone. I don't know if it's still that way today, but when I was a teenager, that's how the dating scene worked. When I was 13 years old, I stopped going to school. I think because my parents said to go, I didn't want to go. I started working soldering when I was 14 and a half years old. I did that for a year. I was living with my parents, moving back and forth between my mother and my father. In my country, people do not move out and leave home. It is too expensive, and you can't find someone to share an apartment like here. After that, I went to electrician school for three years. Also, I was going to an adult school to complete my high school education. I did both of those things at the same time. From 8 until 5, I went to school for the electrician. They paid me like a job. And from 7 until 11, I went to the adult school. It was difficult. It took a lot of my time reading and writing. I don't do the best writing, but I was reading everything that was coming into my hands. When I was 17, I finished both schools. I was electrician, and I had also finished high school. When I finished my electrician school, the Air Force needed someone to work with them, so I applied, and I started working with them when I was 17 and a half. While I was going to school for adults, I met Ursina, my wife. She was the person that attracted all the people around her. At first, I was thinking that it was impossible for me to have a relationship with her, because we had never met before. Never were we talking together about anything, and at the time, I was very busy studying. But, for some reason, she couldn't make her homework, and she was talking to me about it. After a few times of working on the homework, we felt we had an interest in each other, and that was the beginning of our relationship. On March 16, 1977, we got married. That was only just a year after I met her. We did not tell our families or anyone. No one knew until it was over. We went to the judge and had a civil wedding. Five years later, we had a religious wedding. The first wedding, the civil one, because I was not an adult, I had to lie to the judge so that we could get married. My mom was not happy. She said that it was not legal. 
I told her that she could go talk to the judge if she wanted, but I would only be waiting a little while, and then I would do it again. Finally, she said okay. The second wedding, the religious one, was very different. It was on September 18, 1982. Our friends and families were there, about a hundred people. My father was the padrino, the godfather, sort of like the best man, and my wife's sister, Antonietta, was the madrina, which is like the godmother, like the maid of honor. My niece and nephew carried the rings. Our families helped us with the food and other things. It was a special day. We were looking for a fresh start in our marriage. We learned that we still had to work at it. Today, we are still not perfect, but we learn to talk when there is a problem. We never had any children. My wife lost one child while we were traveling. We were making a long trip, and she said she felt something was wrong with her body. When we went to the doctor, we found out that she had lost the baby. She was never able to get pregnant again. The doctor told us that it was a problem with my body. We learned, in a way, that it was better for us to not have children. We have more freedom than other couples. My wife could go to her mom's house any time, and I could go from my job after work to other places with no problem. Without kids, we can travel any time. I think it all depends on how the couple wants to handle it. It could be a good problem or a bad problem. My wife did not work in an office or anything like that, but she was helping me with the economics. She would sometimes sell things, especially when we went to the border of other countries. Some Air Force stations are close to the border with other countries. When I was working in these places, Ursina would go with me, and she would buy things from other countries like Chile or Guatemala. When she returned to our city, she would sell them. People seem to like to buy things that are from other countries, like jewelry or clothes, lots of different things. She was thinking to buy everything that she can sell. I was working with the Air Force for almost 11 years. I was working with war airplanes, called the Mirage 2000. My job was to take care of the power plant, and the other technicians were working with the instruments. The Peruvian Air Force has different bases, and different bases have different airplanes. The different airplanes were designed to fly in different conditions, and for this reason, many times the airplanes from the north were flying to the south to make exercises there. When they were doing that, we also had to go, because we needed to bring everything the airplanes required, because the airplanes of the south didn't use the same equipment as ours. This was the reason I was traveling so much, going to the other Air Force stations. Sometimes we were in conflicts with Guatemala or Chile, and we were making exercises like we were at war. It was hard for me to see how the old soldiers treated the new recruits just coming into the service. They had the wrong idea that if the new boys could take hits now, they would be better prepared when the time for the war is coming. I think this is the wrong idea because if somebody has courage, nobody needs to hit him to see his courage. When I was working in the Air Force, I saw the new generations going to university, and I thought, I cannot go to university because I felt like I was too old. But finally, I made the decision, and I applied for university. Now, the system in my country is very different from the system here. In the university, there are only, for example, a thousand vacancies for different studies. 
the people who try to get into one of these vacancies are around 10,000 or 15,000, and you need to pass the test with a very good average. It is hard to get into university because you need to fight mentally with many, many other people. It was hard for me, especially in the beginning. I had been out of school for maybe seven or eight years, and at this time I had lost the discipline to study. If you don't have the discipline, you can't do too much. For me, it was easier to go to classes, to be there for school, but after that I didn't have the time to study. My life changed when I saw 23 years, because at this time I was feeling my life was empty. I felt emptiness, and I was trying to fill it with different things, anything. I was going to parties with my friends and my wife, drinking, partying, but always the emptiness was present in my life. One Sunday, I was listening to a preacher, and he asked the people who were listening who wants to accept Christ as their Savior, and I raised my hand. After that, my life was changing, little by little. I'm not perfect. I was not perfect. I think I will never be perfect. But I think everything is going better. We believed that God was calling us for some task. We didn't know exactly what kind of task, but we felt we needed to be prepared when God gave us that task. We made a decision to go to a seminary in Trujillo. Trujillo is almost 150 miles from the city we were living in. We had saved money to be able to go to the university for three years, but because of devaluation, the money that we had saved for three years was actually only enough for one year. The devaluation was terrible. I was thinking to find another job, to save money, and to go back to the seminary, but it was not necessary to do. We received a letter from some of our friends in the United States. They said they felt like God was telling them to donate money to us. They had sold their house and said, well, we have money, so we can help somebody. The letter said that if I had something, tuition, books, apartment, I only needed to sign and they will pay for it. They did this for two years. The only condition for me was to be a student. Ursina was a student, too. We were in the same promotion, the same class. I was studying theology, and she studied Christian education. While I was in the seminary, a small church located in the jungle invited me to come there for three months. This was part of my seminary training. They were willing to hire me after graduation. Ersina went with me. The church that invited me was in a city in the jungle, and they had other missions, small missions in the jungle. So we worked in the jungle, but we lived in a house with electricity and running water, just like in the city. After three months of working with the church in the jungle, we went back to the seminary to finish our last six months of study. Ersina and I both graduated together. When we graduated from seminary, we went to a restaurant to eat pizza. It was a good celebration. Everybody was glad to finish the classes and to be ready to take responsibility for the church. Some of those who graduated with us went right to a church, but Ursina and I were planning to study more, maybe to get a master's degree. We felt that after everything we did in our country that something more was coming. We wanted to go to Spain to study, but we didn't have enough money to go together to Spain. We agreed for me to go to Argentina and for Ursina to go to Spain. In 1991, I went to Argentina, Buenos Aires. I could find work in my country, but at this time, Argentina had a strong economy, and it was easier to work there and to save money than in my country. 
In Argentina, I was working in construction. I found somebody in the church who asked me if I wanted to work for him. I agreed. He told me that he had a workshop and that I could go with him to work. I was there for almost a year. During this time, Ersina was working with elderly people in a home. She saved money, faster than me, and she sent me the money to join her in Barcelona. We lived there for two and a half years. My first job in Spain was selling vegetables, but after that, I began working as a pastor. When I first moved there, I was working, but not with the church. Before work as a pastor, I wanted the people to get to know me, to see me, and then to become a pastor. I think this is the side of my mom and me, that she would do something before she thought it through. When I went to Spain, I needed to find some job, but it was not easy to find a job, because in Spain, many people think that if you're coming from some other country, that you cannot do anything for yourself. In Spain, they think that our Spanish is not good Spanish. Maybe for them it is not, but I think that if I can use it, then it's useful for me. Maybe the people from England think the same thing about the way Americans talk. We had saved some money, and we were missing our family, so we went back to Peru. Everything we were doing in Peru was, it's hard to explain, really. It was not bad, but things we were doing were not reaping the fruit that we were expecting. We made the decision to sell everything we had and apply for a visa to come to the United States. We filled out all the necessary paperwork, and they gave us the visa. We decided to come to the United States because everybody sees this country like a dream. I think many people want to come here because they think that in this country they will find many things that they do not have in their own countries. Many times we had to give up our things. When we went to the seminary, my wife and I agreed that although we didn't know what we would be doing after we finished our education, we did know that we couldn't keep all the things that we had. We sold everything we could sell. During the four years we were in seminary, our apartment gradually filled up with things again. We were already wanting to go to other countries, so once again we got rid of everything. When I was in Argentina, I didn't collect much. I knew I was only going to be there for a short time, and I was living by myself. The two and a half years we spent in Spain, however, we did acquire a few things. Again, we sold it all to get back to Peru. Here we were getting ready to go to the United States, and we knew we couldn't bring all of our things with us. So, in what was now a familiar habit, we once again sold everything in order to move. When we came to the United States, we were first living in New Jersey. Upon deciding to come to Springfield, we continued our pattern and sold everything again. After moving and getting rid of so many things, we have learned to live with less. Buying things now seems to me as if it is tying us down. For example, we don't own a house here, and we don't have a lot of things in our home, only the necessary things. Someday we'll make the decision to live in one place and to stay there. But that's not this year, not in this moment. I think we still need to know more about what is coming before we can make that decision. When we arrived in New Jersey, we went to a church there for three months. But it was not a church in our denomination. The pastor suggested that we try to find one that was in our denomination so that I would be able to find more work as a pastor. We did, and I was helping in the new church in any way that I could. They were such lovely people. They were able to get a religious visa for us so we could work without a problem in the immigration department. 
They didn't have enough money to pay us, and they already had a pastor, but they helped us so that whenever another church wanted us to come there and pastor, we would be able to do that. They really helped us so much. At this time, I received a call from St. Louis. The deacon in a church there told me an interesting story. He said that the church really needed a pastor and that he'd been praying about it. One day while he was praying, he received a phone call from a missionary who told him he knew they needed a pastor. The missionary told him he knew of a Peruvian pastor living in New Jersey and gave the deacon my phone number. The deacon asked me if I would be willing to come for a weekend and preach and meet the congregation. He said that since he was praying and God gave him my name, he thought I was the man God was sending to him. I made the trip to St. Louis. I preached that weekend, and the people told me they would give me a final answer in 15 days. After just one week, I received another phone call, this time from a pastor in Springfield. He asked me if I would come there for a visit. I told them that I would like to, but I was waiting on a decision from another congregation. It didn't seem fair to have the Springfield Church pay me to come all the way out there if I was just going to go to the church in St. Louis. The pastor appreciated my candor. Finally, the deacon from St. Louis called. He told me that after much deliberation, the congregation had voted to bring in another pastor who had come to visit them after me. I told him that was fine, and I proceeded to call the pastor in Springfield. He said that they were still interested, and we made the arrangements for me to come visit. When I came to Springfield, I was thinking that this is a new step in my life. It was my first regular job. I didn't speak any English, only Spanish, and when I came here, I thought I would find many Hispanic people, like I did in New Jersey. Now we have more Hispanic people, but there are still very few Hispanic people in the city. The first time I came to Springfield, it was wintertime and very cold. There was nobody in the street. I thought, I don't know if anybody is living here, but if God is calling me to this place, it's okay. I went back to New Jersey, and I accepted the invitation. When I came back, it was May. I saw a very different situation. The first day of my job as a pastor was on May 1st. In my job here, I read in my functions manual, it says that I need to preach and to take care of the people. Besides that, I do everything I can to help the Hispanic people of Springfield. Part of my job is to help them find apartments, or to try to help them find jobs. But my main task is to share the gospel, to let them know that if God changed my life, God can do it for them. Ursina works with me. She's usually giving classes for the Bible. I think that Springfield has many opportunities. This is another part of my job, to let Hispanic people know that Springfield has good places, like the library, the zoo, and the Discovery Center. I think my position as a pastor has opened many doors in the city. The pastors of other denominations treat me with respect. They are good people. They don't make me feel that I am any different. I have problems when I'm speaking with them in English, but they know that it is not a problem with my mind. It is a problem with my mouth. When I came here, it was hard for me because this was the first city where I really, really needed to speak English. When I was in New Jersey or when we were living in other countries, I did not need to speak English to communicate with people. Springfield as a city is a nice city. The inhabitants are good people. They are doing a good job of accepting Hispanic people.
One big difference between here and my country is that I don't see too many people on the streets. In my country, you see people all day. Illegal drugs are a problem in my country. In the jungle, it is a big, big problem. The reason is because the people who work in the field and jungle, it is very hard for them to bring their products to the market. If they are harvesting, for example, rice or lemons or coffee, for them it is very expensive to bring it to the coast. They don't have good roads. They don't have good highways. It is very expensive to transport. It is easier for them to plant other kinds of plants, drugs, and the people who want it go there. And they pay and they take care of how it is they're going to bring the plant out of the jungle. It would be better if my government, my president, would do something with the roads, with the highway. They also need to pay a good price for produce. I think the Peruvian people need to have more opportunity. In my country, the government makes big mistakes, and this is one reason why people don't trust each other. My purpose in life is to share the gospel. It is to let people know that everything is not finished in life. Always something is coming. It all depends on how you want to receive it. I always think hope is present. I work with people. Many people think hope is not there. In my opinion, this is a short vision. It does not matter your age, your sex. This is not important. If you want something for yourself, the happiness is close to you. You have to fight for it. You need to know for sure that you are not a loser. You are a winner. My thought for the new generation is that no country is perfect. Every culture has good things and bad things, and I think the new generation needs to learn that they can pick up every good thing of every culture. That is the best thing to do. Do not try to think that your culture is the best, because every culture has great things. This is an edited version of Salazar's story. You can read each story in its entirety at thelibrary.org or by clicking the link in the description of this post. The storykeeper for Juan Salazar is Kay Lauder. Music is Bach Cello Suite No. 3 in C Major by Colin Carr at freemusicarchive.org under an attribution, non-commercial, no derivative, 3.0 United States license. Story excerpts edited and read by Diana Dudenhafer.